the Red Hot Chili Peppers, alt-rock poet laureates, or just noodly geography enthusiasts? Next on Over Under Fair. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another rip-roaring episode of Over Under Fair, the final word in pop culture relevance. I am your host, Dave Roldan, and with me, as always, the usual gang of lovable miscreants, Lacey McGraw. Hello. Jason Pinkham. Hey, buddy. And Roger Castillo. What's up? Roger. Lacey. Jason. Dave. Dave. You guys, are we ready? Over Under Fair. Yeah. We've, uh... Sports. Radio. Detroit. We've been been meaning to get this one for a little while, and we're going to get out of the way. Not... Sorry, I just burped. It shouldn't sound like I'm trying to say it like we're dismissing it, but we all have very mixed feelings on the topic, so we were happy to do this one. Uh, Today we are going to be talking about the prestigious, at the very least, long-running, still-going career of uh, perennial perennial alt-rock elder statesmen, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, We'll start kind of where we usually start, overall general impressions of the band we had before we decided to do this as an episode. Uh... I will start by saying that I came into this thinking they were definitely overrated. It's a band I've heard so many times, heard the same songs, heard the same riffs, heard the same scuba dooba dop Californias so many times in my life. It felt like <laughs> California. It kind of felt like maybe California. maybe that was enough. So I'm I'm I was in a place where I was not ever wanting to hear this band again. Jason, I think you kind of echoed that sentiment with California. me. California, yeah, <laughs> they are to me. They are the limp biscuit of funk rock. That's harsh. It is. It's, we'll talk. They they don't. It, this actually, I was talking to you about this earlier. That they hearken back to. I, I think of the Tom Cruise episode we did. They're the inverse of the Tom Cruise episode, where Tom Cruise. We kind of came to a conclusion that he just got better. Right. Red Hot Chili Peppers just is the exact opposite. They just get worse. The inverse. And worse yeah. and worse and worse. Roger, you had a big groan. Well, here's the thing about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It, it, to quickly kind of put it. It's like the it's like a band like the Who, Led Zeppelin, or anything. They were big, they're innovative for their time, but like those bands, they got worse as as the decade went on. So Would you say that you feel that? Where do you think they are now? In, in, of, in the relativity of all of the bands, are they overrated, underrated? I think, I think they're fairly rated. I think they're a band that already had their time. They already had their prime. They're done and over with. I don't know why they're putting out music, in my opinion, um, but they had their time. They've had some really good albums. Um, but to say they're the Limp Biscuit, uh, Jason, sorry, the, but compared to Limp Biscuit, which was more of a gimmick, as Stone Cold would say, um, no. That's, <laughs> Are you doing that's, that rap rock gimmick? Um, yeah, I'm sorry. But, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers at least put out quality. Limp Biscuit put out maybe one or two things, that was it. And that was, you know, so that that's an unfair comparison. That's my exact impression of them. One or two things of quality and then gimmick. Lacey? Ten years worth, my friend. Um, I, I'm just going to start off by saying that I kind of... I thought long and hard about this, and it sounds like you sound very reflexive. <laughs> I thought long and hard about this, and I, I will say that I think the Red Hot Chili Peppers, in the grand scope of things, today in 2017, are fairly rated. Did you feel that way coming into this? I I went I went back and forth. Um, I thought about it a lot, and at times I was thinking maybe they're overrated, maybe they're even underrated, you know. But I I fell into fair because. While I really do like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I have a very, you know, close relationship with some 
I'll just I'll just get the elephant out of the room. Um, or I'll address the elephant in the room, which... I had a baby with Anthony Kiedis. It's not in the room for anybody except for, like, Dave. But, the listeners um, are like, who? <laughs> uh, I... Several of my family members are gigantic Red Hot Chili Peppers fans. My All of my cousins, um, even, like, my uncle, and they just love the Chili Peppers. So this is a band that I was exposed to very early on and have continued to get, you know have them kind of like sho- I don't want to say shoved in my face because it's not as if I was resisting and it. have them expose themselves to you um yeah with well they have socks. I mean come on dicks and socks um but yeah so I mean I thought I thought a lot about it and I thought maybe I have I kind of have a different experience with it you know since I'm kind of just around people who like super love them like if you ask them they would be like underrated they're the greatest man right on earth. yeah like, you know that's why none of them are here yeah but <laughs> You know, I had to kind of approach it from a little bit more rational standpoint, and I think that they are fairly rated. I think if, you know, average people know the Red Hot Chili Peppers for a lot of, you know, the work that they put out kind of back in the 90s and uh, in the early, you know, 2000s, um, and they know some of their hits and stuff like that, but I do think that they are a fairly rated band. I think they're pretty well respected, and they deservedly so, you know? Yeah. They have a good body of work. They're... More recent albums, not the best, but I cert- I don't think they're like hot garbage or anything. I, they're listenable. Yeah. Um. Not my favorite things to hear. Not something that I that I reach for frequently. But but not something that you're gonna. Not like, something that I'm gonna be like. like Ugh, throw away your radio. God, this is terrible. No, yeah, absolutely fair. not. Yeah. So I I'm gonna fall on the fair side, and I'll just discuss moving forward a little bit more why I think that. So. Well, why don't you start us off then, since you you seem like you had some things. So I think it's pretty fair to say that uh, there, I mean, uh, we all know that Jason is kind of saying they're overrated. He really does not like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But I think it's also fair to say, and we discussed this a little bit before we started recording, that Dave, Roger, and myself kind of, out of the four of us, we go way back with the Chili Peppers, more so than Jason does. Um, so we can start from the beginning. Their their debut album, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, is this an album that, you know, anybody... I mean, it it was back in 84. I wasn't even born yet. I have, I have no, like, no affection for the first album. It's, it's not... It's indicative of what they're going to sound like for right. a little while, but it's not in any way, like a super reflection of the best sound that they did then in the 80s like they're you know it starts it's it lays the groundwork with the you know the the bass and the funk and all right. that but it's in you know a little bit of the rapping but it's not it's a little overproduced it's a little too slick cuz that that happens you know it's it's our first album guys let's try to make it right. listenable and it had like a decent amount of like college rock play but it wasn't and some MTV stuff but it wasn't like it didn't put them on the map like the next couple of albums would right so i have i have no personal affinity for it but you know Roger whatever. anything to add for the first album yeah um same thing with Dave i really i didn't really have no affinity for it either uh it was something i listened to after uh blood hot or um blood sugar sex magic yeah thank you yeah. it was something i listened to Afterwards, because I wasn't really introduced to the band until uh, Blood Sugar Reds. Or, I can't believe it. Blood Sugar Sex. Magic. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think most of us, I think, were. Yeah, and, and um, even Mother's Milk, I got into afterwards. I was going to well. say, you know, I think it's fair that until we talk about Mother's Milk, the first three albums are kind of like the first era 
you know, with Freaky Styley, Uplift Mofo Party Plan, and the first, the self-titled, they're all... That sounds like an outcast title. Uplift Mofo Party Plan? Yeah, both of those, dude. Yeah. Say that three times fast. I'm actually surprised I managed to say it twice without fucking it up. Uplift Mofo Party Plan, Uplift um, Mofo Party Plan. Uh, yeah, they're, they're all very much of that sound. They get they get good at it, too. Like, uh, Uplift has some pretty good songs on it. Uh, Fight Like a Brave is a song I've always liked. It's... It, it helps that it was later included on the Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater 3 soundtrack, which is like one of the greatest video game soundtracks ever. Yeah, so no, that's totally. A, uh, but that's a good tune. Me and my friends is a good song. They do they, they have a cover of Subterranean Homesick Blues on there. I was just going to say, I do like that cover. Yeah, like it's, they have some good stuff. Like they, they got to a place with that sound that I was kind of into. You know, definitely more when I was younger. This was a band, as, as Lacey alluded to, that we, being just around who we were around, because I knew a lot of people that love this band too and still do, like the, these were these these were the kind of bands that were just omnipresent, like for a long time. You know, they were just yeah. there. There was Chili Peppers music everywhere I ever went for decades. Yeah. And and, and, uh, and this these yeah. albums not as much, but when they would show up, it was kind of a like a reverence. Like, oh, remember when they sounded like this, guys? And this is definitely if if you're gonna make a Limp Bizkit comparison, this is kind of in the area where I would say it's fitting. Like. This is almost gimmicky. The way this is, this is, this is a lot of people would say this is like totally shitty of me to say it, but I think by and large, this original era of music by them is to me now almost unlistenable. Like I can't listen to this. Yeah, shit anymore. especially because like you know what's weird about Freaky Style is it kind of made a research. It was kind of big in college radio, and mm-hmm. the reason why I remember Freaky Style later on is when I became the general manager at WMD. Freaky Style was one of those albums that. Uh, had they had it at the old what they called the University Mall, and it was the most played album from 1985 to 1987 at UFMD. It, it, it yeah. had a weird affinity, and I went back and listened to it about six or seven years ago, and I'm like, it sound even even then it doesn't even sound like anything in the 80s. Right, that, that, it that, is a, it is like a part of a different thing. Like yeah. You know, it's almost hard to believe that this is where they start. You know yeah. I mean? Before we go any further, I do just want to mention, and I think I should just get this out of the way now, because we're talking about some of their earlier albums. Um, for those of you who are kind of more casual fans of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I think a lot of people are aware that they have rotated through guitarists over the years. And drummers. Until uh, they and the drummers. First, the first so, bit of their, their lifetime. Right now, the current lineup of the Red Hot Chili Peppers Anthony Kiedis and Flea are the only two members that have been in the Red Hot. Yes, they are the only two founding members. Chad Smith's been around for a while now. Um, He 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 came in pretty early on. I want to say like fourth album or so. Eighty eight. Yeah. Yeah. So um, (coughs) he's still around, but I mean they don't. I mean they don't even have John Frusciante anymore. Um, but they they have gone through quite a few. You whisper his name in reverence when you say John Frusciante. John Frusciante. Frusciante was the only enjoyable part for me as a listen. Because, like, when he shows up and I listen to, uh, I think, the album before he showed up and then the two albums after he showed up. And when he shows up is when it gets equally good and bad. Well, that's when they become famous. <laughs> right. Like he, yeah. he, he's there for Mother's Milk and for Blood Sugar. Those are the first mm-hmm. two albums he records on. Well, he's 100%, and, I think, a part of it. But I think it's just he is so good at what he does that... He escalates because, like, that's the thing, you know. Especially, <clears throat> one of the things about working at Guitar Center for a couple of years was everybody had reverence for certain, you know, guitarists and bass players. And one one person everybody brought up was Flea. And for the life of me, listening to you know these albums, I could not understand why. It just he there's not much that he does that I found to be uh, revolutionary or exciting. He plays the trumpet. <laughs> he plays bass. <laughs> the trumpet. 
But he does play the trumpet. I mean, <laughs> for, what, for what, to be fair, he plays the trumpet. It shows up. Good. It just doesn't... And he, and he does the bump, 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 bump. Yeah, he's he just playing funk bass. He's just a white guy playing the same funk bass that's hey, been around for 30 years. Let's not bring race into this. You know what? I, I will you actually... say that that's not part of it? I'm just saying. It's, it, I guess it's secondary there's, to him being there's white. There's literally nothing he didn't do that Stevie Wonder didn't have in a song 15 years before him. Come on. Steve, you compare anybody to Stevie Wonder. That's unfair. No, no, no. Like, I'm talking about Stevie Wonder's touring bassist. No, like, the people that played and, Stevie, and Wonder, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, but Stevie Wonder because he wrote it. But that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. The things that Stevie Wonder did 15, 20 years before Flea shows up and everybody sees Flea and they're like, oh my God, he's got a, dick on, a sock on his dick. He's the greatest thing ever. Well, I t- like I told you, it was they were more of a gimmick thing for yeah. that, that, you know, during a section of their of their lifetime. I, I agree with you. For and that. I just, it just yeah, you know, I'm actually going to kind of, kind of almost agree with you. I mean, I do think Flea's a really good bass player, but I think a lot of his um, fandom comes from kind of like, he's, he's a personality, right? Oh, definitely. So like everybody, yeah. like who doesn't love like watching Flea get interviewed? He's and like, he's way into know, it when he's on stage. Yeah. He's, playing he, it. he's, he's super you know, like and he's doing animated and smacking yeah. that bass. It's the slap aspect yeah. of it. It's, and he's it's very, theatrically very pleasing. Like having seen them more than once. Yeah. And I'm not speaking you know. to, and I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off there, Roger, but I'm not speaking to him, the person, because he was in a, a documentary called the F word about being a, father and being like a punk rock guy like with a bunch of guys like that which also starts with that yeah (laughs) and he was he's really cool and like every time i've seen him interview i enjoy him i just i don't think that he did anything that was not done to that point there was nothing special Frusciante, on the other hand brought like almost jazz like guitar to funk they were literally doing jazz fusion with rock edge roger i was gonna say i don't i don't think of i don't think he's done anything the only thing he did flea did was if anything, that wasn't done before that uh, Tina Wayworth did a talk at heads or anything. I don't think I, I really don't see what the big deal was base wise. I, I don't I don't people talk about him being one of the greatest bases of all time. I that's a list I missed because if anything he brought out more popular music, such as I mean, he made Primus more palpable, I guess, but I don't any list I've ever seen him in I, I guess I missed it because if people talk about him being the greatest bass player, Mike Anything, any, the Gap band or any band did from late 70s, early 80s. I think the thing is, though, is are we talking about, is Flea the greatest bass player for the Red Hot Chili Peppers? I mean, I know he's the only. He's the only. Yeah. I'm just saying, but could so, you yes. ever, could you ever replace Flea? I don't think in so. The Red no. Hot Chili I feel Peppers. like he is a, he is a integral part of that <clears throat> whole thing, the and whole it, experience. It's hard for us to say that now, because well, yeah, like I said, in 2017, we're, we're talking about this band, and I, like I just said, they're the only two remaining members yeah. are Anthony Kiedis and Flea, so it's hard for us to imagine, like, if Flea walked from the Chili Peppers now, could they replace him? No, absolutely not. But think back, too. Like, if, if, he, had, if he had left the band and wasn't in the band early on in their career, would it had, have been, would they have the same sound? Probably not. I, I mean, I do think Flea's a good bass player. He does what he does very well. And like I said, he's he's a he's like a rock star, you know? He's eccentric. What is so funny? What I just didn't like? know he talks so long about Flea. I, I didn't know anybody had I mean, so many just, feelings. I do. So many I feelings. I got feelings. I just remember, like, at least once a week somebody would say it, whether it was a customer or an employee, somebody would say, you know, I wish I could play like Flea. And I'm just like, fucking Why? He's just know. doing generic funk. I don't know. Played Let, behind. Let's not overexamine that. Yeah, because I, 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 I didn't think there was a, it was that big of a deal. Right. Oh, yeah, I, no, I demure to people who have more opinions about this. Of course, those that was also uh, around the time that uh, Stadium Arcadium came out. 
So it was kind of a big thing at that point. And say, all right, we'll, we'll talk about when we get to that. But there's, I have some things to say about Stadium Arcadia. But that's a long way shark. away. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. So if we before if we, we move away really quick, I just want to mention to you, Jason. If mm-hmm. you think Frusciante is really good, you should you should really treat yourself to listening to some of his solo stuff. Um, it is interesting. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. If you really do like, if you're what you're saying is true that the one part you liked about this band was Frusciante, you'll love his solo shit. Well, I, I liked him. In, I liked him until they let him be too much of himself, and he's just sort of noodling off in the background mm. on songs. Oh man, you just had a whole demographic of people fucking turn on you. If you want, if you want to hear some noodling, check out his solo. Hey, it's demographic just, it's literally of people, noodling. Hey, demographic awesome. of people that just turned on me, come at me, bro. <laughs> I hate uh, everything you like. Let's not get crazy. They probably hate everything. You let's like talk too. about Lincoln Park. <laughs> Right. Tweet him. Don't bring Lincoln Park into this. <laughs> every, every show, Jason, I yeah, gotta I tell know. you, leave Lincoln Park at the door. I seriously So we're gonna talk like... about Tom Cruise. You guys know that Lincoln Park did a song for the Mission Impossible soundtrack? <laughs> Fucking. I feel like time. you have mentioned Lincoln Park in every episode. <laughs> is that your Easter egg of uh, over I feel Fair? like it yeah. is. I mean, it's not yeah. now because I literally just ripped Everybody the doors off and it. <laughs> Jason yeah. just mentioned Lincoln Park. Alright, so go All on. All seven Dave. of those fans just yeah. went, damn it, they know. Thanks, guys. They figured it out. <laughs> We're my mom was like, "Oh we my have god!" To stop, we have to stop saying. We have to stop saying Lincoln Park. Marty is totally hammered somewhere. <laughs> so, anyway, by the so, way, time out for that, Marty. Thank you for the shout out. Let's do it at the end. Let's do it at the end. Okay, we'll come I back. Actually, to I that. wanted to say something. Um, okay. So, all right. So we, like we said, we by and large kind of all agree that these early albums are well listenable and definitely laying some groundwork. They're not stellar in any way. I mean, they're whatever. It does come, though, Frushante joins the band, Chad Smith joins the band, and the first time that I heard the Chili Peppers, you know, apart from Blood Sugar, Sax Magic, so I was, you know, I'm like eight, uh, I had a friend also had Mother's Milk, and he played this to me, he was like, man, this is, this is, like, good, like, Blood Sugar, Sax Magic sucks, but he was wrong, but he was also way into this album, and this album actually holds up a lot better than I thought it did, I enjoyed it a lot more than I remembered, uh, it does have a couple of my favorite songs in here, though, Knock Me Down is a great tune, I really like their cover of Higher Ground, like, there's... Taste the Pain's pretty good song. There are a lot of really good tracks on this that make me feel like they had finally found their sound and they, you know, a direction to take the band in. And that is, that comes up, you know, that's going to come up and become to the forefront of what they are, you know, right, right after this album. But I'm this is a really gonna, good album. I'm actually going to play Higher Ground in the background. Okay. Yeah, this, uh, this album is a lot of fun and it does a lot of cool shit and... I mean, listening, you, listening to it now, I definitely, I still enjoyed it. I forgot I enjoyed it that much. Even though you enjoy, you do a song called Magic Johnson. I mean, come on, right? Yeah. Well, they're basketball fans. They're a lot. A yeah. lot of these fucking rock bands are like these early '90s rock bands. Are like way hardcore basketball. Fans. Yeah, like, like Mookie Baylock. Yeah, yeah, Pearl Jam. Jam like yeah. all those guys. Like yeah. they all share this weird affinity for basketball. That's I always thought kind of cute. Yeah. Higher um, Ground was the uh, the one song early on because like, I listened to two early albums. It was the one song that I was like. Fuck yes, this song. It's one of the best covers of all time. It has to do with the great Stevie cover, Wonder yeah. composed yeah. it, I think. The, the, I, my all, God. Fair play, though, to the band. Like They they do a really great job of playing this song. Amen. It sounds no, they live. This is, like, they yeah. still play it. Like it's a, is Frushanti guitaring on this one? Yeah, no, he's, okay, on this that's, that's, oh, okay. yeah he's on this yeah, album. Yeah, he is on this album. He's on this album. This is the first one. Yeah, this is this cover is a top ten all time. It's a sweet cover. It's a great cover. Of a song that I would argue never needed a cover, but if it has one, this one's suitable. Exactly. It's a pretty fucking cool song. Um, this was also my first exposure to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, probably, I don't, I don't recall hearing uh, Higher Ground. My first, probably like Knock Me Down was yeah. the first song that I heard that I was like, oh, what's this band? You know, and uh, yeah. So I mean, it, it was back a long time ago. I would have been a little kid, you know, right, just yeah. like listening Same. to some music. And I don't think I was even like, oh, I just have, you know, the album. I didn't have the album. 
but right, neither did I. This was this was a word of mouth thing for the first few years for me because yeah. I didn't have the album, but I knew people that did, and they played this. And then before I got their next album, I heard it a bunch secondhand, and then it became what it became, and it was omnipresent everywhere. Every fucking radio station played at least one of the songs, so it just be, it just became like completely out of control how often I heard this band. And I, I think know we're doing a podcast, but all I'm doing is just listening to that. It's really good. And I, I think Mother's Milk is probably a lot of people's first exposure to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, when you say? Yeah, um, that's probably fair. It was like their first kind of on-the-map album. Right. You know? But it is good. Like, it's still good. The, the biggest problem I had coming back to a lot of these albums is that I hadn't listened to them in like a decade plus, some of them. You know, the really old ones. And this was one I skipped forever. Just like, oh, you know, it's fine. There's some good shit on it. But I was really impressed at how much I had a good time enjoying, like, listening all the way through to it and being like, you know what? This does not suck. Like, I wrote this off, and I was wrong. Like, yeah. I was flat out wrong. This is a good-ass album. And then, uh, I mean, that was 1989 that Mother, Mother's Milk was released. And then, cut to two years later, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. It's the one, dude. It's, yep. it's w- the one. Would you like, say that this is their magnum opus? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. And I, I honestly don't think they've ever touched They've ever, They never even came close to touching it. Like, this was the only album I could tolerate. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, I, I hate to be, like, the eight billionth guy to overstate how great this album is, but... It is there. Like, Rick Rubin comes in and brings say, every fucking great that, ounce of work he can out of and his hands. Oh, go ahead, Roger, you first. I was going to say, the, the Rick Rubin magic starts here. I mean, this is the, the, the start of the Rick Rubin run. Rick Rubin gets oh. good and bad comparisons right. for, like, being, like, you know, the, the guitar whisperer where he can right. just bring, like, really sweet shit out of people. But it's... If, if, if Rick Rubin has anything in the win column that you can point to, like, every single time, it's this album. And the thing... Oh, go ahead. The thing is, especially with the, the, what I like about this album, outside of the hits, of course, is Apache Rose, Peacock. I love that song quite a bit. <laughs> That's funny. I hate that song. Really? No, yeah, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Right. Uh, the Righteous and the Wicked. That song is great. Yeah. Metal, Sh- uh, Metal Ship, Slinky, Slinky, and B Major, which is something, like, for this review, I haven't heard it in, like, the same thing, like, 20 years plus. Before we get track, before we get track through track, Jason, what, what did you want to touch on? I had two things. Number one, first off, the Rick Rubin thing, it's, I had a great segue, like, can I mail this to 30 seconds ago Fine. when he said the Rick Rubin magic? Because this album was recorded at the Houdini Mansion, which if you ever look into the history of that, that, that particular location has recorded arguably the best album of most of the artists that have recorded there. Yeah. Some of my favorite albums have been recorded there. Uh, Slipknot Volume 3, The Subliminal Verse was recorded there. Lincoln Parks, what? Menace to Midnight. God damn it, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Lincoln Park's been like, midnight. I, I, I guess. Like it's it's it it is it is something about that place that brings people out. And and the thing about Rick Rubin is like Rick Rubin has like I sort of view things in sort of like they have to be like like lang like, it's like a language, right? And once you get it to a language, then you work within that set of rules. Yeah. And Rick Rubin's set of rules are like perfect for my ears. Like he knows how to make the wall sound, but also how to make everything have its own voice. Especially when you have a guy like Chad Smith on drums, who is a human fucking metronome. Like that's the thing about Chad Smith. He is not flashy, and that album makes him sound flashy. And that's really to Rick Rubin's credit. Yeah, I think that's fair. I just wanted to get that out there, because Rick Rubin is one of my favorite producers. He's really good at what he does. I don't want to take too much away from the actual the 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 output of the band on the album, Absolutely though. Absolutely not, no. Because we could talk about the production of it, and it is important. I'm not trying to downplay that. But this album's fucking great, It man. is. Like, the, song, the songwriting is on key. The fucking... All of the melodies in the songs that show up, the guitar work is amazing. Like, the songs that... 
our radio hits are all radio hits for a reason. They're great. Yeah. All of them are great. Like I've heard "Under the Bridge" so many fucking times, I could kill myself. It's at a this classic. Point. It's but a it's classic a great now. fucking yeah. song. Like it's it's really fucking good. It know? says something when you take a song like "Suck My Kiss," which is like the most sexual song that's ever been recorded. It's pretty yeah. close. It it's, makes me feel... It's in the lower like, end of theirs, but it's definitely like... Yeah, yeah no, it, it yeah. definitely is. But to but with, with, to somebody like me who is going into this kind of hand up, like push me away, and I hear that and I just feel like gross. Like that's... And that's 100% the intent of the song. Yeah. Like, you want to feel like like you're in a hot, wet room. What's well, visceral. This and, whole album. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. It, it elicits a lot of... It gave me a lot of feelings. <laughs> it did. No, it did. And I just wanted to give credit to that. Specifically, that song was like the other song that made me go like, whoa. Lacey. Lacey. No, I mean... Say anything else? You want me a Coke? This is... It's a great record. I, it's got some classic songs on it now. I, I mean, now. Now they're classic. Um, Under the Bridge is a staple. I mean, you hear it. It's still in heavy rotation on radio play. You still hear a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, Suck My Kiss, Give It Away, you know, all of these songs, Breaking the Girl. um, Those, and those are just like the singles. So, I mean, yeah, it's a great album. Yeah, we're not even talking about like the, the, the album tracks on here that are like great. One of my, probably, top five easily, but If You Have to Ask is my favorite song on this album. It's fantastic. Roger touched on Mellowship. That's a great song. Righteous in the Wicked is a great song. Fucking Naked in the Rain. All of these songs are fucking awesome. Like, I I could do a whole podcast about how great this album is because I still think it's that great. I didn't think I was going to enjoy this as much as I did. But the first half of this album is just a banger, dude. Like, you rip through those songs, Power of Equality, like, straight down the line, you know. You hit Breaking the Girl in the Middle of that to give you a nice kind of, like, a couple of minutes to fucking catch your breath before you break into Funky Monks and Suck My Kiss, like, back, and, you know, back to back. This album is just fantastic, and there's it is definitely the best thing they've ever done. And I, I mean, they haven't done it yet. So if they're gonna make a better album, I'd like to see it because it's it's damn near perfect. It's like on the Mount Rushmore of perfect rock albums. Yeah, hot take. You heard it on Over Under Fair. Yeah, <laughs> Over Blood Under Sugar Fair. Sex Magic is a good album. Roger. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, You're good, man. I was just gonna say the the one thing about that album too that stands out is the way. You see his the guitar playing. John's guitar playing stands out quite a bit in the album. It is shown. It shines in the album, and you also kind of see what, what behind the scenes, of course, is the decline. Oh, behind the scenes was not so not it, so hot. Yeah, not so hot for for uh, for everybody in the band. Yeah, for everybody specifically in the band. him. He had he had a lot of time, a lot of difficulty coping with the success of what the album became. He right. left then. Yeah, he famously right. left the band after you know doing this album. And the thing after, about yeah. the, the thing about the album too that I also. Especially the way, because this is when videos were in the prime. And oh yeah, oh god, yeah. We didn't so, even talk. We didn't even have to talk about the fucking videos on yeah. this album, but they're all awesome too. Yeah, the break, the, the break of the girl. I mean, like a little weird with the them with the the weird sweater thing yep, going yep. and all that stuff. But like the other bridge where they had the porno, the B the B movie porno yeah. behind it and everything, and him just the fucking like give that. it away video. All the yeah. goddamn silver paint. Like, yeah, exactly. What is happening? In yeah, the, and, and the and horns. The, yeah, the horns. The visuals itself <laughs> of that video, I enjoyed that. But that was the one. That, that was the first um, album where I got into, for, like, from an MTV standpoint, that kind of to me stood out. That was '90s because everything oh, up yeah. to that point yeah. was all of his that '80s sheen and yeah. hair metal and all that stuff. But that Red Hot Chili Peppers made it kind of 
to me, kind of stand out that this was like a 90s thing. No, they did. They, I mean, I think it'd be almost fair to say this like kind of kickstarts the decade. Yeah. You I, know, I would, coming I so early, this, this sets a template. Yeah. You know but, what I mean? And, and also, not only that, but you look at the other things that started to happen in the 90s that started to push away from the 80s hair metal and all of that stuff. So you got like, you know, the grunge, the, the whole, the sound gardens, the Nirvana, you know, Pearl yeah, Jam, yeah, all those like those big bands. Red Hot Chili Peppers were nothing really like that. Yeah. They were they were totally different, but they still managed to stay relevant through that because of this more album. More so, they were more. I mean, like, they were commercially successful on a level yeah. that most of those bands weren't at at that time. And, and Lacey, would you say it's safe to say they couldn't be classified either? Right? In, I think people opinion? probably had trouble classifying right. them because they they weren't grunge. They were certainly a rock band, but I think that's where the whole like funk thing comes in. Which, of course, everything that they do has funk elements. Um, especially at this time, but yeah, I think it was hard for people to nail down what they were. Like, what what is this band going to do? Where they where are they going to go from here? Type thing. Because I mean, they weren't anything like the other rock bands that were popular at the time that helped push away from those eighties, you know, hair Appreciate metal it, bands yeah. and it, things. And like it's that. difficult to put in that position, you know, with then that sound being so signifying what they were for the for the guitar player to leave and then for them to replace him with someone that couldn't sound any more different from what the sound yeah. was they had just perfected. And ironically Navarro. enough, too, Jane's Addiction also fell in that category. Jane's Addiction, well, you know, that's another California band. Yeah, they, exactly. That they was could. at the tail end of that. They, they were done, though. Like, by yeah. the time this album came out, they're pretty much wrapping it up. They did yeah. Lollapalooza as a farewell show. Yeah, because yeah. Jane's Addiction is, what, 88 to 91 was a run, almost? Mid, middle 80s, like 86, almost. In popularity, like 87 and 90. Like, that's okay. that's the bulk of their work. So, yeah, yeah, but they were in that same classification where you couldn't really classify no, them, correct? No, they were, they were just Jane's Addiction. Yeah. Like, yeah, and the Chili Peppers borrow heavily from that, and this, the follow up. How do you follow that up? You know what I mean. You, yeah. The answer is you don't, because you make one hot minute. Which I think we're gonna have a lot more to say about this than any of yeah. us realize before we got. We're into of this. course referring to I think you said it, but Dave Navarro. Yeah, Dave Navarro of <laughs> who James comes Addiction on for... comes in to replace Frusciante for the recording sessions for this album. And uh, dude, this is a weird fucking album, Jason. Jason, you don't remember this the same way we do. Like, and I don't. Have you heard it? Yeah, I listened to it. A little bit. And none of it didn't really impart much on you just no, from having heard it. Almost no impression. Right. All right. So, as someone was alive. Especially <laughs> like, because the, the one song that did leave an impression was uh, Aeroplane. That was the single. That was like that. I fucking hate that yeah. song. Really? So, I don't love that song either. Yeah, I didn't like it then. I, haven't, I don't particularly like it now. But this album was really weird. Like, yeah. especially following. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. This was like my favorite band when this, uh, when this album came out. Like, I was way into the Chili Peppers for a number of years. You know, for one hot minute. Yeah, yeah, for one hot minute. <laughs> Sorry, no, it was to. one hot minute that stretched a few years. It was like one hot decade. I'll, I was really big fan. The new I'll just leave. <laughs> but uh, this album is—it's so out there, man. They're they're swinging at a lot of different things, and in a way that it connects sometimes, and sometimes it's not so much. But it was way different than I remembered in my head. Like I, yeah, you know, I haven't listened to this album fifteen years, maybe. Like. It's got to be that long. And, dude, I've fucking... Some of these songs are great. I forgot. Like, I just straight up forgot that some of these songs were as great as they were. That opening track, fucking Warped, is one of my favorite openers like of any Chili Peppers album. It probably is. It's my favorite yeah. track one of any of their albums. It was like, their opener to the show. It was the opener to the show. Yeah, and this uh, this song is good. I think what's going on here, honestly, if I, if I might just analyze this record and the inner workings of it for a moment. Feel free. Ooh. I mean, um, to over under fair. I I think what's going on here is honestly you have I mean 
Blood Sugar Sex Magic, we've established, was like, that was like the Chili Peppers album. So they had gone through all these changes. They went through a couple guitar players. They went through a couple drummers. They fall into this groove where they have, you know, Anthony Kiedis, John Frusciante, Flea, and Chad Smith. That is who uh, was were the primary musicians on Blood Sugar Sex Magic. And suddenly you have John Frusciante up and leave... You replace him with Dave Navarro, who is a great guitar player. But wh- what do you do? How do you fall into that groove? You know, that was. And so I this think is that's like a large what? Are you, part. Like they're they're shooting at stuff, and yeah. like you said, in some yeah. cases they really hit it because yeah. like all great musicians, they know what they're doing. But does it work together? There are too many songs on this album that conflict musical ideologies, like with Dave Navarro's like bombast and mm-hmm. Anthony Kiedis's warbling, like mm-hmm. they. They're trying too hard to match those things together. And yeah. Aeroplane is a really good example of that. Because Aeroplane has the Chili Peppers staccato, you know, like, like parts of the, yeah. the no fear, like yeah. all that kind of stuff. But it also has that fucking Dave Navarro guitar. And it it feels off, you know, like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't gel the right way. I a do much, like that song. A much better but... interpretation of that is like a song like My Friends, which is a little more mellow. Yeah. But a great song. Like yeah. it's, you know, it's neither, no one is trying too hard to like make their sound be the thing that comes through and it all fits together in a really great place like Warp does that Uh, I think Deep Kick the front end of this album I enjoyed a lot more than the second half but it does it does a lot to to try to highlight everything that they were trying to do they wanted to incorporate Dave Navarro in a way that didn't make it feel like he wasn't part of the band even though they never sounded like that but I think they do a little too much to try to accommodate him at times and I think that they don't get all the way to where they were trying to get to with it but I was actually I listened to Warp like seventeen times. I forgot how great that song is. It's and then in my mind, I substituted out Perry Farrell in for uh, Anthony Kiedis and realized that it's like the greatest Lost James Addiction song I never got. I mean, full disclosure: now I'm a huge James Addiction fan more than I am the Chili Peppers. And I think about this album and think about what Perry Farrell was doing in the early '90s with uh, with Roger's favorite band, Porn Over Pyros, and I. <laughs> What I've Come heard on. you I've heard you talk about Tahitian Moon. You fucking love Porn of oh, Pirates. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> but, I, don't care. I don't care. You know what? I'll I'll fucking I'll kill for Porn of Pirates. I'll give a fuck. <laughs> fuck you See, all. See previous episode nineteen ninety six. But you know it's uh, on that song. It's, just, you know what? Just because um, no, go ahead. The the Porn of Pirates song um, just because makes up for Warp. If you think about it, those two songs sound are very similar. The Porn of Pirates or the Jane's Addiction. The Jane's Addiction song. Yeah, yeah, they're close. They're close, but that's the only good Jane's Addiction song to happen after Jane's Addiction originally breaks up. That's what that's what I kind of have a sour taste in my mouth when I think about it because I was denied like probably a great Jane's Addiction okay. album because everybody else wanted to do other shit and like yeah. that happens and you know you can't be bitter. But this album goes places and it it's doing a lot of shit. There is some shit on this album that sounds like downright ahead of its time. Like they're going they're going weird fusiony places with some shit they're trying to accomplish and it. It doesn't work on the whole, but this is a way better listen than I think anybody had a right to make at the time they were this popular. Like they didn't have to make this album; they could have just done another Blood Sugar, which they try to in a, f- a few more years. But this album is ambitious as fuck for a band that had just become the most famous band in the world. Like right. I kind of give them a lot of credit for that. I saw this tour. I saw them when they toured for this album. Oh, did you really? Yes. So it was the Toadies. 
Space oh, Hulk. You're so old. Oh yeah. my god, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Oh, that's an awesome line. I'm yeah. already jealous. So I'm at the palace. It was when the first Regale us, old man, with your tales of 90s lore. <laughs> it was, yes, it was uh, Space Hog and the Toadies opening up from 1995. That's how we talked in the 90s. Yeah, in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you remember how we talked in the 90s, guys, but it was <laughs> definitely like this. <laughs> hey, hey, buddy. Yeah. And this the was 90s were a great time. Hey. And they, they even apologized because they, they, they were terrible. And they even apologized yeah. next time they came through. Who was? The chili, the chili peppers. They yeah. were bad, really? Yeah, they were bad. And Anthony Kiedis apologized, too, because he's like, we sucked last time we were through here. Chad Smith even said something, too, about it's it. A, it's a weird... They were yeah. in a weird place, man. And, yeah. like, you know, I hate to keep coming back to it, but this this didn't have to sound this way. Like, yeah. again, I want to give credit to them for trying something like this at a time where they did not have to. Like, it's that's a risk they did not need to take. And that's kind of something that they would never, ever do again. Like, really? Stadium Arcadium gets kind of close, but... They yeah. they do a lot of weird shit on here, and yeah, to mixed results, but this is worth the re-listen. If, if right. you're like a huge fan of this band, you've probably heard this a million times. If you're a casual fan of this band, you listen know. to One Hot Minute again if you haven't heard it, or if you have heard it, you know, listen again if you haven't listened to it the first time. I think most casual fans will say they don't like this album. But there's there's good shit here. Yeah, like, there's shit that you is, should listen to. My, my friend's, friends is an all-time all-time yeah, Chili Pepper song. Yeah, yeah, and I love song. that song. You know another song, too, that gets not a lot, a lot of credit on here that I actually like? And it's kind of a it's a weird song. It's Coffee Shop. I actually like that song quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, But you're right about they, the one thing about this song or album. They do dig a little deeper than they normally do at this oh, time. Oh, for sure. For 1995, you think about it in the grand scheme of things, it was really the alt of like Smashing Pumpkins, all this stuff. And this album, and if you look at where it stood among the music at the time, yeah, everybody's just looking at it and going, the the, the yeah, fuck, it, the fuck look, yeah, like gay? really this gay? What is this? And I know that people don't like it now, but I actually personally like this album. You have been a long-time defender of this album. Yeah. I've known you a long time, and I have known you to love this album. Yeah, yeah. I always just kind of laughed it off, like, oh, Roger. But, yeah. no, you're right. This is this is better than it at any right Yeah, and, and you, it's 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 because it's one of those albums that it, it kind of grows on you. Because when I, it first came out, I was like, eh. But I gave it a second look, and or I, as I got older, I learned to appreciate it better. Jason? Uh, I was just going to say the feelings expressed by Dave Roldan and Roger Castillo are not expressly the feelings of the entire cast of Over Under Fair. You know. Just yeah. three-fourths of it. Just <laughs> 75% of it. Just the oldest of the olds. Yeah. Because you're still old now. But yeah. You're not, you're not Chili Peppers 31 old. in a month. You're not Chili Peppers old the way we're Chili Peppers old. So, Alicia, I mean, have you... This is something that you got into when you first heard it, or was it something that you never really got into? Yeah, man, my bad. Me and Roger. No, that's okay. Fucking rhapsodic. I didn't really start getting. I I don't want to. If you guys have more to say about one hot minute, I don't want to move too far away from it. I like I said, I was exposed to the Chili Peppers very early on. I'd heard their records because of the people who were around me, but I didn't really start exploring the Red Hot Chili Peppers until I got for Christmas a copy of Californication, which is the next album after uh, One Hot Minute. The return of John Frusciante. Frusciante comes back. The long-heralded, awaited everything. Yeah, he was gone for one album. Doesn't it, like, you feel like he was gone forever, and then you're like, well, they didn't do anything. Just one record, yeah. Four years. They didn't didn't, do, right. There was a big gap there, but... They come back with Californication. I, I want to say uh, Scar Tissue was the first. That was the first single. That was the first yeah. single off of it. And you're like, that, he just cut his hair. That <laughs> song really like grabbed me. I just thought it was really beautiful. And I got the record for Christmas. I, I think it was, it was like a CD. And I listened to the shit out of this CD. I listened to it beginning to end over and over and over and over again. I think I was kind of trying to learn how to play guitar at the time. I was getting like, I was downloading tabs and trying to kind of play along with some of the songs, but it failed. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, it was, it was a great, 
I think this is a really good album, and I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people really like this album, but I don't think it's one of their most popular and most loved albums. I think it is. I actually think I think it's pretty high up there. Like it's, you, I think it's like one in one A between this and Blood Sugar Sex. Like it's. You think? Well, yeah, yeah it has it. Apart from that, it has all of the other songs. Like, if you ask somebody, like, name a Chili Peppers song, they're going to name something from this, or they're going to name something from and that. That's okay, fair enough, you know, yeah. Those are, like, the two the bookends of, like, an otherwise up-and-down career. Those are two, like, pretty well-regarded albums. Pretty much all the scar tissue with one of those videos that, like, one before videos with, like, Carson, what's his face? Daily? Yeah. Total Request Live. I remember this video being on all the time. Scar yeah. Tissue was on a lot. It was such a nondescript video, too. It's just, yeah, they, just they them all in look, a car, And right? it's weird because they all look so old. Yeah. You're like, man, I forgot this band's been around so long. Like, yeah. They, they look like they'd seen some They shit. started that giant well, had. Had, <laughs> yeah, A lot of drug use Cash in this band. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it had a very, like, a, it had, like, a, an aged, like, we've been through it all, guys, kind of yeah. feel to it. And the song reflects that. You know what I mean? It's called right. fucking Scar Tissue. Like, that's that's what it's dealing with. And, and also because of the time that it was released, this is when it became came to everybody's attention that Chad Smith and Will Ferrell are twins. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was like after, it was like after the late nineties, and they're like, "Hey, is that the dude look from Saturday Night Live? Is he in the Chili Peppers now? Oh no, no, that's a different human being." Jason is the the prime dissenting voice. Like, how how do we feel about Californication? Okay, uh, this album, uh, <clears throat> much like the Nirvana episode, I was a victim of the radio on this one. Where I never got the chance, like that's that's the one common thread in all these older bands, is that I didn't get the chance to formulate an opinion before it was shoved down my throat. Uh, you know, when you're you're listening, to 80, when you're 15 years old, and you're listening to 89X on your little MP3 player slash FM radio Walkman. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was so happy with that. I could put 80 songs in there. Um, those were the days. That's a lot of tunes, right? 80 Lincoln Parks. Um, you're 15 years old, you know, you're listening to this stuff, you got your blue spiky hair, and it's just like, you can't turn on 89X, which is the station that plays the stuff you do like, because you have to listen to, you have to listen to California. This didn't come to, out when you were 15, though. No, 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 but it was still on. No, yeah, that's I was going to say, like, this is, you would have been younger, because no, I was I 16 when this album came out. When I'm, I'm 15 in 2001. Yeah. And that's, what, two years after two years this comes after. out? So two years later, this is still getting every hour radio play. You have, you know... Scar Tissue, Around the World, Californication, all showing up. Other side's still showing up on ANX. Yeah. You know, as we talked about, ANX is programmed by a bunch of now 40-year-olds. So, I like I said, this is an album where I, this is this became product to me. This was not, I was not allowed to experience this as art. If it you're was, listening to this and you're not from the Detroit or Michigan area, I should just say that 89X is our, like, rock alternative, alternative rock station. Music. That's It's been around for a really long time, so. Yeah, don't worry, it won't be soon. Um, too soon, but yeah, but no, I mean, it was. This is a great example of having to experience music as product. I never got to experience it as art because you didn't. Because you, it wasn't. It wasn't there for you to do that. Then, as a, as an early teenager, you are far less concerned with the artistic merit of a Red Hot Chili Peppers album than you would be now when we have to like discuss this at length. Like that's that's the whole thing. I had to divorce myself from that a little bit for some of these albums. Because some of them aren't good, and I'm aware of that. But it took me to having to look at them to accept that for some of it. Because I'm still a huge fan at this point. Like I was fucking thrilled when this album came out. Like mm-hmm. I saw them twice on tour. Yep. I you know I was way way into this. Like I loved every song on this album. Some of them I still do. Like Around the World is still an all time favorite of mine. Uh, a lot of these songs are pretty great fucking songs. But it has 
It has alternately some of the best aspects of the Chili Peppers and some of the worst aspects of the Chili Peppers. Kind of, kind of what would come to define them going forward. Like we made the joke at one point about the Scoop Adopts Californias. Like this is it is all over this album. I mean, it's mm-hmm. called Californication. That's but that's by you know that's on purpose. Like there's there's a message they're trying to send there. The but message is I'm going to put the word California in every fucking. That's the thing right? though. Like it, it's not like they weren't doing this before. They were. Like there's there's name checks to cities and out in L. A. There's, you know, they specifically say things about San Francisco and the song on One Hot Minute. Like, there's, this isn't, like, we all know they're from California. It's a big part of their identity. It's something they talk about all the time. But it doesn't feel like they're talking about it all the time until you hear this album again. To like, use a Dave Roldan quote, this is part and parcel where they become yeah, a product. For better or worse, this is the Chili Peppers that we all know now. This is, like, it, this it's is Red Hot Chili Peppers, all rights reserved. This yeah. TM yeah. slapped on And them. I think it's, 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 it's unfair in a way to give them that label because this album actually deserves more attention than that. Like, now, you know, nearly 20 years removed from it, it's actually really good. Like, you know. Can I ask you, Jason, did you listen to this record? No. You haven't listened to the whole record? Oh, I have since, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Then, no. Then, no, you just weren't interested because of... Well, because I heard... I I didn't have a choice. I had to hear the three singles every hour on the hour. So, I'm I'm just curious because, I mean, when it came out, you would have been, like, what, 14 or so? Uh, 99, I was 13. 13? Fuck you. Were you getting, were you like getting r- full records then? Uh, yeah, but it wasn't, well, I wasn't into rock yet. Just Linkin Park. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I wasn't even into Oh, Linkin they weren't yet. even here yet. Yeah, you're right. They All weren't right. on it, but it was listening to like uh, Hanson and Savage Garden and Spice Girls. Like, okay. I still actually like. So but, you were in like the pop world yeah, kind of? Yeah, I was of. still like, yay, music. Right, I right. I hadn't been like, yeah, fucking music yet, so. Okay. So this came out the summer of my high school graduation and the reason why I was so excited for this album was because it was new Chili Peppers I was like yeah you know finally oh, this was it, a big deal yeah, it was, yeah. It was a, the it return was a of John I bought this at a midnight at a midnight release remember midnight releases for yeah. albums remember that oh, fucking yeah. was a thing I bought this at a midnight remember release remember when albums album. were a thing remember, yeah, remember, were a thing, guys? remember you can actually buy one like it was physical guys yeah you, you had to Tuesday put it in your thing? hand yeah, yeah, Tuesday, yeah. super Tuesdays man yeah I remember when I worked at Best Buy and people would line up at the door fuck yeah I remember that and um but what I remember about this album was it was kind of a departure from what I was used to. So it was an adjustment for me because at the time I was coming off Ben Folds 5, coming off a lot of piano stuff. When that pian- This is the middle of the piano fad. You know, when you had, um, you know, like, uh, uh, was it the, was it the bands? Of the what are we looking for? Talking, you're talking about pianos? Cherry, Cherry Pop and Daddies. Uh, oh, that fun, There was like, like a that small shit. resurgence yeah. of yeah. like swing type yeah. swing squirrel nut and full yes. five. Yeah, thank, so, thank God it was small. Yeah, yeah. small. Yeah, squirrel nut zipper, stuff like that. <laughs> oh, God. So, in that. the afterlife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, anyways. So, the Chili Peppers were kind of back to the normal what I was used to. And this was an album that I had all summer long and I ended up listening to all the way to December. And I ended up buying another copy because this is an album I truly liked. Yeah. And to me. Um, it stood out to me, and especially during that period of time where we thought, and you and I have discussed this period of time, and I think I've discussed it with Lacey too, that rock was dying at that point. Like, in terms yeah. of what we, what we, what we used, wanted from it. And yeah, what we, exactly. Yeah, what we yeah. It, yeah. And this was kind of like the last hiccup of it all, which I, I thought it was, was at the time. Just being born. <laughs> yeah. And so, <laughs> little dudes were dying their hair everywhere. Yeah, well, and no, this, I, that's, that's an interesting point. Go ahead, Roger. Finish your point, but I'm going to. You know, and this is where I thought that, like, it, I think you guys could both agree with this. This was kind of like the end of what we. of a, of a glorious run between 90, 91 to 99, where it was like all what we grew up on, it was basically dying out. And this was 
I think that represented the last. I agree. One. This really felt like a last hurrah. Yeah, <laughs> like in a weird way. This was a little bit different for me than okay. it was for the two of you, and and also Jason because. I think I fall kind of in between where like you and Dave are and where Jason was because I I'm a little bit older than Jason, but I'm also younger than you guys. So I'm in between. I was let's see, this came out in ninety nine, so I was just about to turn fourteen when this record came out. I think you too. It came out in June. (laughs) Maybe I I might have gotten it in June fourteenth, nineteen ninety nine. Over under fair. We really I may have gotten it. I may have gotten it for my birthday because I feel like I was listening to it like right after it came out or because I, I want to say it was cra- either way. Um, but I was getting really into like the new metal stuff, which I know Jason was saying, oh, it was just beginning for me because that's kind of what you got into when you were a younger teenager. So I was starting to get into that. And the 90s for I mean, I was a kid and. You know, I was a kid who listened to a lot of music. I was exposed to a lot of it because my parents were big into music. I had family members around me, and I really enjoyed it, so I asked for it a lot. But I don't think I was listening to it as heavily as if, if I had been a little bit older because, you know, I was still a kid. I was still playing with Barbie dolls while I was listening to my Nirvana records, gotcha. basically. But, I mean, this to me, because this was my first, like, really delving into the Red Hot Chili Peppers record... It was different because I was also listening, I was starting to get into like the Slipknot and the the whole new metal thing. And then I would put on this and it's much different. Right. I mean, it's still rock music, but it's not, Is it? it's it's not like metally metal. Yeah, exactly. This is the departure because as yeah. soon as, as soon as this is done and I like corn became a thing, fuck. And then, like you're saying, like new metal became a thing, and Slipknot's a thing. I enjoy that Slipknot album, but Same I was here. still, I was still not ready. Like I, I kind of just pushed it away. Like no, no, like I'm, I'm not a part I of this. Out. Like I this che- was, I, I this was out. Californication in a weird way did for a long time feel like my last like yeah. rock period because I, I'll talk about when we get to the next album because I have opinions about it. But this is this is the end of me caring if things sound loud, and it's this album. Like weirdly yeah. enough, like. It, it does a lot of cool shit. The, you know, the songs we didn't mention, there's a lot of good, like, uh, a lot of good B-sides. Uh, Easily's a pretty great song. Emmett Remus is a great fucking song. Mm-hmm. I love I Like Dirt. That song's noodly and fucking fun as fuck. Like, right on time. All these songs are great. This is a great goddamn album. And it was, it really was, like, uh, it was a summer that was fucking sweet. I saw them with Stone Temple Pilots for the first time I saw them, another one of my favorite bands. And that was, like, it was such a fucking fantastic summer for me. I just, 1999 felt like I could take on the goddamn world. It was one of those last years where I was like innocent and stupid and just kind of appreciating everything on a very base level of just enjoying shit like that. And but, I definitely didn't feel see I feel totally different about this record. This was the one that like opened me up to all kinds of things. Yeah, it just killed it. I was like, you know, ah, this is fine for me. I'm because done. I was going into high school that summer. It was my summer between like eighth grade and my freshman year of high school. And I was like, what, what is this? What a fun this? and sexy time for you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, I was like, oh, what is this? And I, I want to listen to this, but I also want to listen to this thing that's totally different and then this thing that's totally different. And this kind of, it kind of opened the gates for me, I think. It was one of the albums that opened the gates for me. To recognize that I didn't just like one genre, like I could listen to some other things gotcha. and and enjoy it all, you know. So that that's that's how I where I stand on this record. Well, we had a lot of feelings about that, too. <laughs> and uh, we'll continue. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thanks, guys. guys. I'm glad this we all get to talk. Thanks, about guys. It. We're, this is our NPR time now. Uh, and that's appropriate because we head into 2003, 2002, 2002, 2002 with the release of By the Way. 
which was very popular at the time and is now kind of if it, if there's going to be anything close to what I can term it as like a lost Chili Peppers album, this album is just kind of here, right? Like there's there's not a whole lot to go on. Like from, from there's there are songs that they play. You know, what I mean there there are popular songs on this album. The By title the way, track, the Zephyr song, the Zephyr song is a song that. See, and this is where this is where I fell with the Chili Peppers at this point. I bought this album day and date. I was very excited about it because I was still pretty much a fan of this band. And I remember listening to this and feeling really weird. Like part of me really wanted to love it, but most of me knew I didn't. And yeah. this is and this is now this was this was the turning point, like the tipping point rather, where I was like, Nope, this band is great, this band is great, this band is great. This is this is a bridge too far and I can't come back. Like I crossed, you know, under under the bridge. You went back under the bridge. Yeah, I went back I went back under the bridge and this I listened to this again. There are two songs on here that I can still listen to and enjoy. The rest of it, wholesale dislike. Like, I I have no love for this album anymore. Jason, you making a face. I was thinking, I was making fat jokes in my head. <laughs> yeah. I was like, did you get too big for the Zephyr? No, I will <laughs> let you know that in 2002 I was spelt. So oh, fuck okay. off. Well, I mean, when you were 13, you were jumping fences. I just, <laughs> man, I'm assuming from 13 to 18, you might not be able to be carried no, by a wind. No, I, I did real well until about 2007. <laughs> I, you know. Actually, no. You know, I'm being fair. We're going to talk about my fatness on this podcast. <laughs> I did pretty well until about 2012. Then I really just let myself go. But, you know. What I happened? am the that other happened. hand. You got food service again. Right? <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> so, what are the two songs like? Cushy Factory Jobs. Um, uh, the two songs that I still love. Yeah. Uh, Don't Forget Me, which I think is like a really underrated uh, Chili Pepper song. And Tear, which is actually my favorite Chili Pepper song. It's weird that it's on this album because I think it's beautiful and perfect. And this is... Then when I realized that I don't love this band anymore because of like the rock things they did, but I kind of like their mellow old dude stuff. Like I like I'm Mercury. I love, I love the way that yeah, yeah. There's there is a lot more representation of things like that in here. Like yeah. there's Tear has a trumpet solo. Like, yeah, you know, thankfully, and I that's like Tara a lot. That's yeah. a great song. Like, yeah, it's, it is a great song. It's just nice and it's easy. Don't yeah. forget me is like kind of kind of. Uh, dark and yeah. like you know it, it just plods through and at a pace from what yeah saying. and I really was interested in hearing yeah. that but then there's songs like Cabron fuck that fucking song yeah. and like universally speaking like there are a lot of shitty songs on here I Could Die For You is not a good song it's a bunch of Cabrones doing a Cabron yeah song. <laughs> I think Can't Stop fucking is annoying like that it's had a, that had a video yeah. that was kind of fun but yeah. you know I don't know most of this album I like I said I pretty much just wrote off but there are still, you know, like I said, there are those songs, and then that is literally that's fucking it. Like, I don't, did you guys have anything to throw in on? By the way, because like this no, is where I'm completely th- checked this out. Is, this is the first CD. <laughs> this is the first Chili Peppers album I listened all the way through, and then went back to it. I'm like, oh, it's still shit. Yeah. Uh, except for I'm Mercury. I love, I love that. Uh, I, yeah. That was that was when at Best Buy, where um, a fun Best Buy store, where our, GM, our former GM, you know, Mr. Simpson, when I was playing, and he goes. What, what what Mexican band? What Mexican band is this? I'm like, this is a Chili Peppers. He thought a Mexican band did this. Oh, all those all those trumpets. I just thought yeah. they were mariachi band. Yeah. Honestly, like this album kind of flew under the radar for me when it was released. Like I knew the singles, but I never. I didn't go out of my. I didn't purchase it. You know, I didn't listen to it all the way through or anything like that. I was just kind of like eh, underwhelmed by it. Yeah. Um, it's underwhelming. Like yeah, it, and it wasn't one of those things where, like I said, I was 
this was the time in my life. And by 2002, I had gone full on bananas with like the stuff I was listening to. I think by 2002, I started to realize that I actually liked rap and hip hop because I resisted that for a long right, time. Yeah. So I was in my exploratory phases. Not Which is weird, cause I resisted rap and hip hop through the best period of rap and hip hop. Yeah, I did. I know. And it's stupid. And then I had to, and then I was like, oh, some of this stuff is all right. And then I had to like go backwards right. and figure, you know, find You're stuff. Like, that, I like this outcast band and they break up. Yeah, no, exactly. That's exactly what it was. And I was with you, by the way, when I bought a fucking my first Outcast album. Which yeah, like, you bought you bought Speakerbox. I bought Speakerbox Below. Love Below, and yeah. you're like, oh, all right. I was like, I'm so excited for this record. And then like a week later, they were like, wah, wah. yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, but anyways, um, yeah. So this this album just kind of went under the radar for me. I didn't really. I mean, I've gone back and listened to it since, but it's one of those things where I'm like, whatever. Um, move. I mean, can we move let's, on? Is there what? anything let's else? Let's just to get say, to the end of it, man, because there's. Does anyone have anything good to say about like the next bunch of stuff? Uh, no. I I will say this. Okay. I if I'm, enjoyed... if I'm gonna name check, it will say Stadium Arcadium, I'm with you and the Getaway are like their next they're the last three albums they've produced. I, I'm gonna make my closing statements now. I'll just say it. Okay. I like Stadium Arcadium. I, I really like this record. Um it's it's not my favorite yeah. thing, but I really like I like the singles that came from it. I super love the and Obviously, I'm biased for a reason, but I love the song, especially in Michigan. I live in Michigan, and I hate that song. I love that song. I do. It's great. I think. And- <laughs> Fuck that fucking song. Rainy Fuck that song so hard. It's it stupid. Feel, it feels like they're trying so hard. No, guys, we're talking about lions and tigers, scoop it up. At least they're not. Especially in California. I know it doesn't fit. What what's what's the word that's gonna fit? Michigan. Oh yeah, cool. They oh, love that's us right. There. Anthony Kiedis is from Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah they got love for Michigan. Yeah, cool. I respect that. I yeah. respect that, but the song still fucking sucks. They I sure like do this love song. naming states. I yeah. have. Yeah. A, that was. I have a very romantic love for, especially. In that Michigan. was like a running right. joke. And I I do like this record. I I like the record about, about state name checking. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was like we. I remember we used to have like joke uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers writing sessions where we're just like okay guys name some states yeah <laughs> and then we'll just put some other lines in there mm-hmm. and make sure that every other state you name is California right well every fourth state because yeah, you gotta find ways true. to work in other places yeah. he's, and, uh, he's a man of the world he's been to all these places had a hand all around the world saw some panties Exactly. Went down on a girl in Cincinnati. Like he just finds ways to bring up all this shit, and it's like you're trying so fucking hard with this garbage. But so I'm right. gonna make my closing statements on the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I think that this band has put out enough good material that they have cemented themselves a place in rock and roll history. They've been unique, you know, throughout it all. Say what you will about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. There's nobody really out there that sounds like them and does it like they do. I, I'm sorry. I mean, tell me if there is, because I want to hear this band. Tell me, Lacey. <laughs> Get the fuck um, away from me. Um, but Stadium Arcadium was a fine album for me. And then after that, I was just kind of like, all right. You know, like, I, I've heard some, some of these songs from these last two albums. They're fine. They're mellow. They're getting old and up there. But I'm just, I'm kind of like... They're, they're a band that I, I can't... I'm not going to be like, I don't like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Right. But I'm also not going to be like, oh, yes, I like the I like the Red Hot Chili Peppers pre, you know, 2002. Roger, so, hit, us, hit us with some late period Chili Peppers thoughts. The late period of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, see, Marquis, it's, it's, it's not bad. It's their biggest 
uh, album, which was like 26 It's a double tracks. album. It's, like, it's almost yeah. 30. I think it's 29 tracks. Yeah, it's like 30 tracks. tracks almost. 28, yeah. yeah. 39 tracks. One of them's good. They're, 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 they have a couple I'll, I'll let you guess which there. one. Fine, 28 but tracks. One I, of them's still good. <laughs> I would agree with Lacey. It's a band who sem- sec- or cemented their legacy at this point. Um, they have no else to prove. I mean, do you think this was an episode of Happy Days? I mean, they were at this point, they're making cameos in movies. They've done a lot already. Flea was in Back to the Future. Also yeah. a voice on The Wild Thornberries. Yeah. Yep. Thumbs up. They were in yeah. Point Break. <laughs> yeah, Point Break. That was back in the day. Yeah, they were they're in a bunch a of shit. They were in a movie with Charlie Sheen where they were... Um, was it The Getaway? Is that the what it was getaway, called? Yeah. Christy Swanson? Oh. Yeah, Christy Swanson. Wonder, that's why they Swanson. named their album The Getaway. No, that, I don't know. That's a long they time. They pop up in some shit. They've yeah. also, like, Flea and Frusciante did some guest spots with, yeah. like, the Mars Volta and stuff, yeah. too. And, 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 which, which I wish we could talk about today, but yeah. we're not going to be yeah, able to. Yeah, we don't to, have the time. Yeah. The, thing, the thing is about the Chili Peppers is, is that they're a band that they have their own thing, they have their own sound. If they want to mail in a couple albums, who gives a fuck at this point? Really, honestly. That's they've, fair. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, they've, they've produced enough work. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. For whoever that's worth to anybody, because to me it doesn't. It depends. The popularity yeah, it, it's still a metric that yeah, we measure things by. And, and so. really, it's the thing is they've done enough to be innovators in their own right. And to me, I enjoy, I thoroughly enjoy their music quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, I know I said I made my closing statements, but I just have to rebuttal. Yeah. Well, not really a rebuttal, but right. I'd say I, I I agree with what Roger said. They might not be firing on all cylinders creatively at this point, but they're still putting out serviceable music that appeals to people, and it's not the worst dog shit I've ever heard. You know, that's that's what I'll say. No, I mean, it's right. late I in their career. Agree with so it is not the worst thing I've ever heard. That is technically true. <laughs> it's it's late in, it's late in their career. You know, are, are they a band that's going to be a powerhouse from beginning to end? No. They've showed us that in the last Several years, but you, like I said, fairly fairly rated. I stand by it. See, I disagree with Roger a hundred percent because I have a patented. Uh, I am a believer that when a band stops producing good music, is when they stop being a good band. They were a good band to a point, and if they stop producing good music and they're still producing, you're just trying to make money at that point. I mean, maybe that- you have a desire to sell to sell records. Maybe you have a desire to make music, but if it's not good by any measure. It's not good to you. It's not good. Yeah. There are still and millions of people that buy this objectively. shit. I'm talking about subjectively, but like, take. A, I'll take. I'll just give you a great example. I used to love Disturbed, right? Two great I'm albums. Sorry. No, you, you agree or disagree, whatever. It's not the point. The point is, two good albums. They release a third album. I'm like, well, this is garbage. They released four since. I haven't listened to any of them because when when a band to me, the way I listen to music is when when it starts feeling producty and it starts feeling like they're just doing it to do it, whether they're young or old. It, it starts becoming overrated. It starts becoming pointless to me, especially if you had a big hit album, especially if you had a like just a just a great album. It's kind of like uh, like Audio Slave, like the last album or two from them. Their first well, album had good. Two. They had three. The first album good, and then it just kind of felt like they were just like we got to make music. And they don't. I guess, but that's not a band I would. I honestly like could argue with like you. Something about that topic there about how you perceive bands and what they should be doing and what makes them good and not I could argue with you for hours we could, probably. We could, but we're not going and to and we can exactly. a different day because I I get what you're saying but my the only thing I would say to that because I will wrap this up too so we we still know Jason hates this band <laughs> Lacey and Roger are both unfairly rated I came back around to being fairly rated as I came into this thinking they were dog shit and I've kind of walked that back because as much as I dislike these last three albums the shit that I love, I really love. Like I and I honestly kind of lost sight of that. Like when this band was great, this band was legitimately great. Like amongst other bands of the time, they were better than other bands. They were they were in league with bands that were also super popular. Like they've they've never been so bad that I thought they were total shit. 
But at one point, I really did think this was my favorite band. They were great for a number of years. So I get what you're saying. And while part of that is fair, I also think it's difficult for some, any, any band that has been doing something as long as this band has to maintain a constant level of output to a degree that is so high up. Like, they made their best album in 1991, but I wouldn't say I didn't want to hear the shit that came after it, because some of it I enjoy a lot, you know? So if they would have just walked away after making the greatest album ever, we would have been deprived of some decent shit, you know? Like, I, I, a certain, bands only have so much creativity. You can only do so much. I'm not saying that they have to stop making music. I just can say that I, I can, I can stop caring. That's fine. And And I'm not asking you to, but that is, that is the argument then. Like, I just wanted to get that out. Like, it's, there's only so much creativity any, band or person can output to be innovative or different or interesting that is not exactly what they were doing before and the chili peppers did well enough in the confines of what they had to make good things all the way up until the late 2000s and that's pretty commendable so roger do you have anything else to say before we wrap this up i was just gonna say though i mean the one thing i as long as you're listening to each album track for track all the way through and then saying that that's fine if you're not you're just Picking or choosing and being selective, then that's a different ballgame. Oh, yeah, I did listen to that uh, 2016 album, and I will never listen to it again. Yeah, The Getaway was rough. It's but so bad. Anyway, The Getaway, the most recent Chili Peppers album out now in stores, I guess, if stores still sell music. But that's, uh, those yeah, are our parting... Local FYE. Those are our parting <laughs> shots. Uh, you know, Chili Peppers, they're an all-time band. I suppose it's fair that they stay that way. Uh, check us out at sportsradiodetroit.com and hit up the... Hit up the uh, all those things we're on. We got the Facebook page. We got Over Under Fair on Twitter at Over Under Fair on Twitter. Email us at Over Under Fair Pod at Gmail dot com. Um, I want to take a quick second to shout out one of our fellow network compatriots, uh, Marty and Ben. Had a little talk about on their wrestling show. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not positive the title. The wrestling fans. The wrestling fans. I knew it was something like really Trust simple. I knew I was going to forget it. Every Thursday on the site again, SportsRadioDetroit.com. They had very glowing things to say about us. Marty specifically. I'm not undercutting you, Ben. You said nice things, too. I'm, I'm not trying to sell you short. But Marty went out of his way to plug our show, and we really appreciate it, buddy. We appreciate that anybody is listening. We want the feedback from everybody, not just people we technically work with. But it was nice to hear it. Um, and, again, we really appreciate the, the feedback to the people that have given it to us, and we hope to get more from you in the future. Yes. Can I just make a little blurb real quick about the wrestling fans? Because sure. to show them some more love, and this is honest totally from my heart, I could give two fucks about wrestling. I I don't care about wrestling. Evidence: I was absent for the, the Chris Jericho. Oh, yeah. oh, okay, right. Don't worry, don't don't spoil it. Chris Jericho's coming, but he's not today. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't I don't know shit about wrestling, so go. I thought it was yeah. the same person. Yeah. Um, but I've listened to like small portions of the wrestling fans, like here and there, and they're really entertaining guys. Like they are truly in love with what they're talking about. So it's work. totally worth a listen if you like wrestling. And I can't not stress this enough as program director and blah 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 and all the fucking titles I have. Please leave reviews. And we have a disclaimer that's going on each and every podcast. Leave reviews, leave comments, rate us on our Facebook page, Sports Radio Detroit, Out of Bounds, or excuse me, um, sorry, Over Under Fair. I get all my podcasts confused. Leave reviews. Thanks, Roger. Sorry. Rate, rate <laughs> us on those pages. It's important because the more reviews, the more you rate us, the more it comes up on iTunes, the better it comes up. I cannot stress iTunes, you. Podbean, we, we, I cannot want, we stress want your love, you guys. We need that some iTunes review. Yeah, please, Those iTunes review help. Because I, can tr- I know that you guys are listening, and I know that you guys are downloading it. He's like, I, I have he sees you, know. you when you're sleeping. I he know. knows when you're awake. <laughs> Roger Santa Claus. Listening to Over Under Fair. Yeah, and when you're listening, 
<laughs> I have ways of knowing that you're actually listening. So please, just just tell me, just leave us reviews because it's cool on Twitter, all that. That's fine and dandy. But if you don't leave us reviews, we don't know if we're getting better. And people, other people can see the reviews and it comes up on iTunes. Better reviews, the popularity, it, it cannot stress to you enough. Please, I'm not, I'm, you know, do it. There you have it, guys. Leave us some reviews. Show us some love. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, over under fair. Email us. Tell us we're great. Tell us we suck. Until next time, I'm Lacey, joined by my hosts, Jason, Roger, Dave. We're over under fair. Signing off. Have a good night. Bye.